Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Tim Petrop, with the only two twins that are dropping those fantasy bars. Nonstop, can't bars, stop, bars. won't stop. Dropping oh. fantasy bars like Tim on VM with his new wrap-up. You know, I was hoping you'd, know, oh, you'd say that. It <laughs> <laughs> wasn't a planned promo. <laughs> it was planned in my mind, but not in your minds. But anyway, yeah. uh, we're dropping those bars about week 11. Week 11, it's crunch time, baby. You're either in it or you're out of it. Oh, you're right on the cusp. And either way, we got what you need. The Brodo Fantasy Podcast begins now. So we're about to get on this podcast, right? And Jason and Michael go, yo, definitely no way you can get off from like January 28th to February 4th, right? Or whatever. January 23rd to the 30th, bro. You whatever, bro. Either way, I'm not getting off anyway. So they're like, oh, yeah, you know, you can't do that, right? And, you know, I'm, as you guys probably know, if you listen to the Veterans Minimum, or I think I mentioned it on here, I'm a teacher. That's how I make my money. And, uh, you know, I do this just because uh it's passion and I hope to be making my money like this someday, but I love teaching. And one great thing about being a teacher is you get all these vacations, but one bad thing is that you're very scheduled. Like there's no, there's no leeway. You've got to go on vacation here this time, this time, this time, this time. And they're like, Oh yeah. Cause all your brothers, except you are going on a vacation to a Caribbean Island and you get to stay home in the winter time and be mad jealous, liking our pictures on Instagram and great papers. Yeah, great. Probably grading papers around that time. That's probably around midterm time, actually. You wouldn't rather grade? Come on, man. That's true. I wish I could like make an excuse and go grade on an island. Yeah, do it. Make it happen. <laughs> well, either way, uh, it's not going to be fantasy football time then, but it will uh, be time for fantasy football this week. Smooth transition, right? Um, <laughs> Tomorrow is the first game, or today, depending on when you're listening, or it was yesterday, or it was 14 weeks and seven days ago. Who knows? Whenever you're listening to this, uh, November 15th, 2018, the Green Bay Packers play the Seattle Seahawks. That is a Thursday night game. Uh, A good Thursday night game, but let's get right into the matchups. Let's start with the away team. Let's start with the Packers. Um, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he kind of disappointed last week, 199 for two touchdowns, but that's because Aaron Jones had a remarkably stupid good game, 15, 145 yards on only 15 carries and two touchdowns. Add that to three receptions for 27 yards, and he was basically the offense. Uh, what do you see for the Green Bay Packers going in the future? Do you think that this shift towards Aaron Jones is something uh, that is going to stick? And if that's the case... Are Aaron Rodgers owners who had to draft him in the third round and give up that capital, uh, should they be a little t- a tiny bit nervous? I think it's past time to be nervous. It's time to realize that Aaron Rodgers isn't the overall QB1 that people are drafting him as. We always caution drafting a quarterback in the third round, and uh, deservedly so, because he just hasn't been able to. I know he's been playing injured and whatnot, but his supporting cast also sucks, and his coach also sucks. So. I mean, MVS is actually pretty good, but for the most part. And when you're looking at what Aaron Jones is doing now, the last since the bye week, he's at 14 touches, 16 touches, and 18 touches. Uh, so his work just continues to go up while 
uh, the rest of the running backs goes down. It puts a lot on uh, Aaron Rodgers because a lot of what he's done this season has been in high-volume games. His best games have come against Chicago in Week 1 when he had that great comeback. Uh, and then he put up 28 fantasy points in Weeks 5 and 6 with shootouts against Detroit and San Francisco. So when you're looking at Aaron Rodgers, volume has been his friend this year. Efficiency hasn't. So if Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones playing better and Seattle having a good defense, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to play a little better. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Jason on this one. Uh, Jared Goff last week finally broke the Seahawks QB1 uh, schneid. That they, they, no one was a QB1 against Seattle until Jared Goff did it last week. Which is, something, which is something to say. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers has a chance to be a, a QB1 against anyone. But there is something to be said about that. Yeah, and the fact that Aaron Rodgers really hasn't been Aaron Rodgers-esque. He hasn't reached 20 points in five, in six different games this year out of nine games. So it's not like he's been 20 points at his worst, which he easily is in his best years. And obviously supporting cast has a lot to do with it and just the vanilla offense that Mike McCarthy runs out there every week. But uh, he's my QB. He's, only, he's a QB nine on the year as well. So that's just even looking even further. And we also it. have him tied at QB nine this week. I yeah, think one so, of the thing, one of the reasons why you take Aaron Rodgers number one is because you can usually count on four to five rushing touchdowns by him this year. But I mean, the year by year. But this year, he started off the year with a knee injury, and he's been pretty timid to run since then. So I think that really hampers his value as well. And on the other hand, the uh, the Seahawks twenty points against uh, fantasy wise uh, to the running back every week, and it seems like Aaron Jones is the bell cow over there. Uh, only four rushes for Jamal Williams. So uh, he got all of the work. Um, what What's your outlook on Aaron Jones in terms of like, do you do you expect him to be an RB1 this week? Oh, yeah. Aaron Jones basically cemented himself into the RB1 territory last week, even only on 15 attempts, putting up those ridiculous numbers. And Aaron Rodgers, after the game, said they want to get Aaron Jones even more involved. If Aaron Jones keeps running the way he is, he is going to, <clears throat> sorry, if he is going to, uh, open up the passing game for Aaron Rodgers through play action and things of that sort. And it could be a big boost to the overall offensive attack for green Bay. So I think he continues to see a lot of work and more work than he's seen in past games. So I have him as my running back 11 this week. Seattle has been extremely beatable by the number one receiver this year, 16th in DVOA and Devonte Adams coming off a big game, but only four catches. But that's because there wasn't that much volume. He's caught four of Rodgers' 19 overall targets to receivers, 57 yards, but he remains uh, Aaron Rodgers' favorite target in the red zone. Uh, he put this quick slant last game that just he was wide open, and later his second touchdown again didn't, didn't even seem like he was trying. Um, are you expecting another big week out of Devontae Adams? I think at, at this point he's a guy that you just plug in there and you can expect – like a 15-point floor almost. Yeah, yeah. you can never shy away from Devontae Adams. Even in tough matchups this season, he's put up touchdowns and remained a wide receiver one. So there's no reason to shy away from him. What The guy I like this week, um, as well as Marcus Valdez-Scantling, uh, let's call him MVS for short. Last week he had his worst game in the last uh, four or five weeks since becoming a big part of the Green Bay offense. And in doing so, he had the team leading 25% market share. So... In his worst game, he had his uh, highest amount of targets come to him. So it's definitely something to be uh, optimistic about. And I think that in this game, 
MVS should have continue to be a solid option. Randall Cobb, on the other hand, is not even traveling with the team. Uh, Jimmy Graham continues to be up and down. Only one catch for 14 yards. Michael, if you are in the mix and you have to win this week, is Jimmy Graham someone that you're starting, or is there someone on the waiver wire for tight end that you'd start over him? I actually have Jimmy Graham as my fifth tight end, considerably higher than Jason does at 10, just because of the the terrible, terrible... Last week, what was it? Who caught the... I think it was... Uh... Gerald Everett had one catch for 14 yards and a touchdown and ended up as tight end eight. Mm. It was just mind-boggling to think about. And yeah. Jimmy Graham, in a in a revenge game against Seattle, also a short week, he'll probably be used near the end, near the red zone. So I expect him to, to find the end zone, or if not, at least get like 40-ish yards, which out of the tight end position you, you want. I decided to just go... Uh, balls out with the tight end position in the rankings this week. I'm just fed up with all the back-end tight end ones that we put there every week, and they all are terrible. So I have Austin Hooper at 7, Vance McDonald at 8, Jeff Hewerman at 9, uh, Ricky Seals-Jones at 12. I'm done with Jimmy Graham I have at 10. But then when it comes to Evan Ingram, Jared Cook, Kyle Rudolph, uh, I'm done with Jordan Reed. I'm done with all those guys. They're all out of my tight end ones. I'm tired of seeing people try to defend them. I'll wait till we get to the Giants talk about Evan Ingram. So Jimmy Graham, I do have at 10. I think he's not in that bunch yet where I'm just fed up with him. But, I mean, it's really not optimistic when you look at what he's done. Uh, I have a couple of tight end questions for you as well in an upcoming game, uh, particularly with the Colts, but we'll get there soon. For now, let's go to another tight end that might be entering the landscape on the Seattle Seahawks side. Nick Vanette, only one for eight, but he did catch a touchdown, which is good for a a tight end one performance. Like Michael said, crazy. Uh, He's out snapping at Dixon. He's getting more targets than at Dixon. Uh, Is Nick Vanette someone you could play? Um, Two tight end leagues, sure. Uh, I'm not doing it in one tight end league, especially against Green Bay, who has actually been locked down against the tight end over the last five games, have not allowed a touchdown or over 30 yards to the opposing tight end. Fourth overall in DVOA against tight end as well. Okay, I guess Jason doesn't want to add anything to that. Um, I mean, listen, if you're in a... Yeah, I know. If you're in a two tight end league, then uh, God bless your soul. Uh, So I want to talk about the other pass catching options and because there's a committee going on everywhere in Seattle. It doesn't seem like anyone is safe. This is very Brian Schottenheimer as someone who uh, we've watched that Brian Schottenheimer offense uh, as Jet fans. You know that there it's well, it's trash now. Back then there was a place for it and there's still a place for it. They're doing they're doing all right. But the point is for fantasy is trash. Because you never know who it's going to be each week. You never, ever know. So let's go over to the receiver side. Tyler Lockett, Doug Baldwin. Both of them had five receptions. Tyler Lockett, 67 yards for one TD. Doug Baldwin continues to be disappointing. Five receptions for 39 yards. What is your outlook, not only for this game for these two guys, but going forward? Who would you rather have on your squad, Doug Baldwin or Tyler Lockett? I might Uh, be in the minority here. I'm going Doug Baldwin over Lockett. Uh, this week I've locked it higher, but Tyler Lockett has seven touchdowns in nine games. It's just something that doesn't make any sense. He's just scoring in almost every game and they're all long touchdowns too. So if you're going to ask me to rely on a long touchdown every week, I'd probably go with the safer option. I know that Doug Baldwin has been inconsistent this year, 
But recently, he's been putting up wide receiver three numbers basically every week, even though they're not, you know, they're uneventful wide receiver three numbers, but they're still wide receiver three numbers. So if I'm talking rest of the season, I'd take Baldwin. But this week, I prefer Lockett as the play as a wide receiver three. Baldwin also in that conversation. If you look at the last few weeks, Danny Amendola and Julian Edelman both did well in the slot against Seattle. So Baldwin has a good matchup. Wait, against the oh, I messed that one up. <laughs> I'm talking about it. He's not going against his own team. Well, well, you know, against well, against Green Bay, uh, they Jair Green Alexander Bay is twelfth. That's not a great match. right. They're twelfth in DVOA against the slot receivers, so they've been yeah. they've been doing well. That's why I prefer Lockett. Uh, Michael, so, yeah, I do not agree with literally anything Jason just said. About <laughs> He's so, a consistent wide receiver three. He's been a consistent wide receiver five basically. He's been yeah. trash. He hasn't had double digits since week six, and in week six, he put up 12.1. He's putting up wide receiver three numbers. 6.4 points is wide receiver three numbers, dude? No. Last last week, we bet that I bet that he wouldn't be top 24. I clearly won that bet. Doug Baldwin is – he does not look like the same player. He actually said this is the first week where he feels completely healthy, so take that with a grain of salt because he just has not looked good at all. I prefer Tyler Lockett's big playability. At some point, you have to just take the touchdowns for what it is, seven touchdowns in nine games. Sure, it's a bit fluky, but it does not stop coming. So you want to be the guy who has Tyler Lockett on this team rather than Doug Baldwin, especially after last week where Lockett got uh, targeted the same amount of times as Doug Baldwin, in which you usually see Lockett getting severely out-targeted. If you're new to the show, the point totals that we refer to are half-point PPR, and we refer to the Yahoo scoring system, which is the same as ESPN scoring system when it's half-point PPR. Uh, So just putting that out there when we reference players' totals, we figure half-point PPR is right in between PPR and standard. So it's the best way to talk about everything combined. It's the best of both worlds. Yeah, let's do a running game. Uh, Rashad Penny, 12 carries for 108 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Russell Wilson actually used his legs in this one it's a trend that we've been seeing happen more and more the past couple weeks nine for 92 on the ground for russell wilson uh mike davis had 11 carries this is all with uh chris carson out now you add chris carson to the mix what the hell do you do with the seattle seahawks back listen uh brian schottenheimer said that chris carson is starting this week so you have to i mean you have to fire him up as rb2 because Every single week, there's a Seattle running back that's ending as an RB2, and you're going to have to assume that it's going to be the starter and hope that it is the starter. Chris Carson's been good while he's played, so I'm sticking with Carson and throwing him out as an RB2. This wouldn't be the first time that a Seattle coach lied to us about who's starting, though. And you got your first-round rookie that just averaged nine yards a clip. Yeah, that doesn't That doesn't scare you at all? I mean, that's all true, but what doesn't scare me is the fact that there's a Seahawk putting up 100 yards and a touchdown every week on the ground. So I'm going to take my chances with Carson. And then when it comes to Russell Wilson, I mean, he's thrown at least two touchdowns in every single home game they've had. And then if you look at the Packers defense, they're only allowing 19 points at home, but then on the road, they're allowing 31. So I also think that Russell Wilson, if you have him, he's a decent back end play. Russell Wilson has been shady, one of the best uh, quarterbacks in fantasy the last few weeks. And it's because of efficiency. Only 27, uh, 26 attempts, excuse me, but 17 completions, three touchdowns, 92 yards in the ground again, 176 yards in the air. Hyper efficient uh, by Russell Wilson. So it's 
he's he's shadily like he always does every year kind of sucks in the first half and then becomes an mvp in the second half he's uh, running again too at least 40 rushing yards and two straight um anyone else you guys would like to mention in this one uh, i just want to say that i am very happy that rashad penny had the week he had last week one because i'm a fan of him two because there's just going to be a bunch of people in my league spending ridiculous waiver fab money and waiver priorities on a third string running back i don't understand i mean if you want to pick him up just to hold hope hold out hope that's fine with me it was a weak waiver wire so i had him in my waiver rankings but if you pick him up thinking he's just gonna oh he had one big game mike davis had 10 rushes for 50 yards it was a terrible rush defense they were going up against and chris carson has been a beast when given the opportunity over the past like five weeks it one good game isn't just gonna make rashad penny a thing this is probably the the what, what what was I even saying? Oh, this is probably this is probably the weakest waiver show uh, ever. Sorry, as I bring up the stats for the Tennessee Titans, that's why I lost my train of thought there. But this is probably the weakest waiver wire of the year so far. So let's move on now. Uh, the Tennessee the Tennessee Titans uh, are going to the Colts, and they are going to play in an AFC South divisional matchup. Um, the Titans. Don't look now, but they're on a roll. Marcus Mariota has been hot in the last two games. Uh, every single quarterback that has played against the Tennessee Titans, and that includes some scrub-ass quarterbacks like Derek Carr, Blake Bortles. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to be a scrub forever, but he's a scrub right now because he's so young. Sam Darnold. These guys all went in and had QB1 performances. Marcus Mariota is on a mission, it looks like. Oh, and yes. he could find Against Indy, yes. At Tennessee. Oh, I'm sorry. Against Indy and had these. So Marcus Mariota is going into Indy, and he's using his legs again. Uh, only two carries for 21 yards, but his legs have been more active, meaning he's been making a lot more plays uh, outside the pocket on the run, extending the play a little more. And 228 yards, two touchdowns. Is Marcus Mariota someone you're considering starting against the Colts? Because people against the Colts probably have a floor of 16, 17 points. Yeah, uh, Marcus Mariota is rolling right now. It looks like they, Matt LaFleur decided to employ a more quick RPO-style offense for Mariota and the Titans, and it's been paying dividends the last two weeks. But uh, in QB1 leagues, I'm still not there yet. There's too many better options, in my opinion. I have, I mean, if the if you're in a league where people are rostered two quarterbacks, then he'd probably be a good play, but I have him as my QB17 this week against Indy. Man, I, I don't know. I think I think he's got QB1 written all over him this week. Jason, what do you think? I think that I'm going to side with Michael here. I'm not ready to do it yet for QB uh, for one quarterback leagues. His numbers are um, buoyed a bit by a rushing touchdown a week ago, and then last week he had like a 20-yard receiving touchdown. Uh, not touchdown, a catch. So that was an extra two and a half points added on. Uh, I don't think you can rely on that just yet. We haven't seen the Tennessee offense be – good for too long it's only been two weeks i'm not uh taking my chances just yet the colts allowing 20 points per game to the fantasy quarterback um yeah i don't know I, it I, also has to do with i like other streamers this week all right well we'll talk about that in a second let's go let's move on to the rushing game derrick henry guys don't look now but 11 carries 58 yards and two touchdowns uh even though Deion lewis is more involved in the offense it seems like derrick henry is the goal line back 100% for sure. So with that being said, how comfortable are you playing Derrick Henry this week? And uh, another 20 carries for Deion Lewis. 
uh, two catches, but that's because of the game script that the, the running backs didn't really get involved with the with the passing game. Uh, are you still as high on Deion De- Lewis as you were last week? Yeah, I think that we can continue to trust Deion Lewis as a mid-to-back-end RB2. And then Derrick Henry's getting back into the flex conversation. The problem with him is that he's very touchdown-dependent. Right now, his touchdowns are coming in bunches, but if he doesn't score a touchdown, you're going to get three points from your flex. Well, you would have got so, five five point eight last week. Okay. E- either so, way, you're not you're not liking it. Yeah. So he's pretty touchdown dependent at the moment, but I mean he's scoring touchdowns. The offense is rolling. Indy's run defense isn't something to shy away from. So you could throw out Henry out there. I'm I'm sticking with Lewis as the preferred play. Obviously, the Colts have been almost Falcons level bad against backs uh, in the passing game. Another reason why I like Lewis to uh, be the better play, and he's also doubling the amount of snaps of Henry. So. In a good matchup, I think Lewis and Henry can both be startable options. Michael? I think Henry is more of a mid- to low-level flex option this week just because he has been pretty fortuitous with his rushing opportunities the last couple weeks. It's not every day that the Titans beat the Patriots by 24 points, so he was getting a lot of extra run. Uh, Deion Lewis was clearly, once again, the lead back, rushed 20 times at two receptions, so I like Lewis as a RB2 this week, and Henry is more of a middle to low end flex play. Let's not spend too much time on him, but Jonu Smith, it's his second year. He was a third round pick. Uh, he's a a pretty physically imposing dude. It's his second week with a tie uh, with a touchdown in a row. Um, don't pick him up. You guys don't have to really talk about him, but keep an eye on him. Keep keep him in your rear view because the Titans, when they're rolling, the tight end is a giant part of this offense. So if he continues to see something in this disgusting tight end landscape. Uh, keep Jonu Smith on the radar. One guy that uh, I'm going to very much enjoy talking about right now is Corey freaking Davis, people. That's right, my boy. My boy, Corey Davis, doing things. Yeah, Corey. Seven receptions for 125 yards and a touchdown. Um, as Marcus Mariona has gotten better, Corey Davis has gotten better. Uh, with, with all your hate out the window against a very beatable Colts offense what is your outlook for Corey davis i'm sorry very, very beautiful Colts defense listen i like do you you make it seem like i absolutely hate Corey davis i just I absolutely already you hate him. him no i like there's a huge difference between redraft fantasy football and actual football right i like Corey davis as a nfl prospect as a player but in the redraft fantasy football i absolutely hated him and i've been right for 98 percent of the year tim so suck it one good game doesn't change. You remember Jonas Gray last year at 200 yards and three touchdowns and then was never seen again. Big games happen. But with that being said. Yeah, well, Jonas, Gay, well, Jonas Gray wasn't getting 10 to 15 touches a game. Yeah. With that being said, I actually do very much like Corey Davis this week. Uh, oh, the, words, the words that I've been waiting to hear all year. <laughs> I have him as my wide receiver. Where is it? 22 this week. Uh, he gets a good matchup against Indy. Indy doesn't have really any overpowering cornerbacks. Pierre Desser's their best one, and he's been he's solid, but it's not like someone you're scared to go up against. Uh, Corey Davis, we, we saw the monster game he had last week, and if the offense keeps rolling the way it is, he could have a nice finish to the year. But don't be surprised if he goes two catches for 18 yards as – he has shown plenty of times he's capable of doing it. Uh, I don't know. I think he has a safe full floor. Number one wide receivers are averaging eight receptions and seven, almost 75 yards uh, against Indianapolis, 29th in DVOA. So uh, a guy who's going to get the targets against a defense that can't stop the number one receiver, sign me up. Jason, what do you think? 
Yeah, I'm certainly not anointing anointing him as a wide receiver two the rest of the season like some people are. It it really gets me angry. He's done nothing in his career to warrant that. One regulation but, touchdown. But that's right, his first touchdown of regulation, baby. I know. It's been a long time coming, Tim. <laughs> uh with a lot of teams on by this week. I'm sticking with Corey Davis as I have him as my twenty third receiver. I wanted to put him as a wide receiver three, but there just weren't enough better players to put there. Uh, the landscape isn't great in the wide receiver field. And against Indy, seeing he's doing 37% of the team's targets over the last two weeks after seeing a slight drop in targets um, prior to that. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with Corey Davis this week, surprisingly. Uh, the reason why it's it's a crazy week is we have another bipocalypse, six teams on by, uh, Bills, Browns, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets, and 49ers, all on by, so damn. Yeah, you don't six get to teams. do our no bills. Yeah, so definitely don't start any bills this week. Definitely, definitely don't start any bills this week. Um, although you might be better off starting a bill this week than you were in previous weeks, uh, except when they played the Jets, of course. <laughs> let's not talk about that, please. I'm still having nightmares. Oof. Um, let's go over to the Colts. Uh, e Breezy, who would have thought it? Another three TDs for Eric Ebron. The crazy part is he's only seeing 38% of the snaps on the field. Dude, a he fourth. Ran, he so, ran 12 routes last week. He but the but the thing is, they're all coming in the red zone. So he is an absolute red zone monster. On top of that, the other uh touchdown that Angel Luck threw, also to a tight end, uh big Mo Ali Cox. So Four touchdowns to tight ends for Andrew Luck last week. Uh, what do we think about E. Breezy, not only in this game, but going forward? And on top of that, how about Jack Doyle in that tight end landscape as well? So let me get this settled real quick, people with Colts tight ends. Jack Doyle is the one you want to own. It might not seem like it after last week, but Jack Doyle is the guy that's running routes and catching passes. But it's at some point you need to realize that Eric Ebron only needs 12 routes to put up tight end one numbers. So I do have them both as startable tight ends this week. Jack Doyle, I have at around five or six, someone that I'm, I'd be happy to start. Ebron a little further back around the 10 range because he is touchdown dependent. If he doesn't score a touchdown, he might get you one point. But with the other tight end options, one point might be fine. So I guess the Tennessee defense has been playing really, really well. Yeah, the Tennessee defense is actually the least uh the tight ends have the least amount of points against Tennessee defense than any other defense no tight end touchdowns which is why i have eric ebron outside my top 12 this week just outside because the indianapolis offense is different than most other offenses you see they use three wide receiver sets more than any other team in the league probably and actually throw to all three tight ends i don't like go michael i like jack doyle as a Mid tight end one, but I I don't know. I just can't trust Ebron this week against a team that still hasn't given up a tight end touchdown. So what I'm saying is I don't like looking at that as an example for tight ends. Uh, while I'm waiting for my computer to load the tight end schedule, because I'm assuming here that they haven't played the Eagles or, uh, actually they did play the Eagles, but they haven't played the Chiefs. <laughs> or, who have they played? The Dolphins, no tight end. The Texans, no tight end. Jaguars, nope. Eagles are Bills, nope. Uh, Ravens, not really. So they're not playing teams with tight ends. The only team that they've played that uses a tight end is the Eagles. Of course, the first team I said. Eagles. <laughs> I think that's more of a 
not every team uses their tight ends nowadays thing rather than the Tennessee is just really good at it. Interesting. Well, in, in terms of efficiency, they are the sixth best team in efficiency. That's one thing. Well, if you guys don't know, DVOA, defensive efficiency, uh, it doesn't only represent stats. It represents how they're playing against uh, that particular player. And it's a stat invented by football outsiders. Uh, it's a great stat. It's one of the most most indicating fantasy stats. That's why I'm always referencing it here on the show. So just to put that into pers- perspective, in case you were wondering, um, let's let's go over to. So we when we hit the tight ends. Let's go over to the wide receivers. Uh, T.Y. Hilton three for seventy seven last week. He continues to bust. He's only had one wide receiver one week this year. What's your outlook on T.Y. Hilton going forward? Because Andrew Luck seems to be in love with his tight ends. Uh, yeah, it might be. It seemed like a problem that he loves his tight ends, but he also likes T.Y. Hilton. His uh, receiving yards are going up. His targets are going up. Last week, he had seven targets. The week before, five. The week before that, four. So since he came back from injury, his targets have gone up. That's mostly what you want to see. Andrew Luck has been a beast. Uh, he's put up at least 22 fantasy points in the last since week four. So I'm loving Andrew Luck this week. I'm starting him, even though it might be an imposing matchup, you might think. And with that, I like T.Y. Hilton. Uh, I mentioned last week that Tennessee, I'm just going to hop in and say also don't love Marlon Mack this week. I mentioned last week that Tennessee doesn't give up a lot of touchdowns, but when they do, it's through the air. Uh, Hello, Malcolm Butler. So they've only allowed three rushing touchdowns all year. They just shut down Sony Michelle and Zeke. So not a great matchup for Marlon Mack. I think the Colts are going to have to air it out. His number one receiver is a guy who's capable of making plays. I like T.Y. Hilton a lot this week. Uh, completely unrelated. Just thought we should say this because it's happening right now. Jacob DeGrom has won NL Cy Young. So congratulations, oh, yeah. Jacob DeGrom. We are big Mets Woo! fans for those of you who don't know. So uh, a salvaging um, piece in an otherwise forgettable season. Uh, congratulations to Jacob DeGrom. Also, one, of the, one of the best seasons in the history of baseball this year. Also, while we're on the topic of baseball, Blake Snell won AL MVP. All you baseball listeners out there know how much I loved Blake Snell going into the season. There you go. Blake Michael Snell. absolutely crushed fantasy baseball this year. Like, I'm yeah. not just saying that. This fucking guy was the best I've ever seen. He, like, the best he's ever even been. So, uh, shout out to Michael yeah, for totally. how many ridiculous, like, I remember going in the preseason and being like, who the fuck are these guys? And they're all contenders now, and Michael called almost all of them. So shout out. One guy that I called, but it could be a little bit early, Dontrell Inman, ended up keeping his second wide receiver job, even though Ryan Grant came back. We don't have to talk about him, but just keep an eye on Dontrell Inman. I have a feeling that he's going to be a hot commodity on the waiver wire soon. Maybe not this week like I predicted last week, but keep an eye on Dontrell Inman. I really feel like he is a talented receiver. When you watch him on tape, he looks like he has everything that he needs to be uh, the guy, or at least the number two guy uh, for the Colts. So just keep an eye on that. Uh, Let's go over to the running backs, though. Jordan Wilkins and Marlon Mack. Uh, Jordan Wilkins only got one carry, but for uh, 53 yards. Marlon Mack disappointed big time. 12 carries for 29 yards. Was this more of a game script issue, or are you worried about Marlon Mack going forward? Uh, Jason touched upon Marlon Mack, saying he he didn't love the matchup this week. I agree with him here. I don't love Marlon Mack's matchup, but he was still clearly uh, acted as the lead dog last week against Jacksonville. And Tennessee gives up more fancy points to running backs than Jacksonville does. I have Mack as a mid-range running back, too, this week. So 
I don't love the spot. I don't hate the spot. I, don't, I just don't think his ceiling is running back one high this week as it was the past few weeks. Uh, the Tennessee Titans have been fan- a fantastic defense. They're actually one of the more underrated defenses, in my opinion. They're giving up the fourth least amount of points. The fourth least. Well, they're fourth best. How about that? Against the quarterback in terms of fantasy points given up per game, only 15.8 fantasy points per game. On the other side, you got Andrew Luck, who's been absolutely scorching hot and setting the fantasy world on fire. It's the classic... Uh, what did you say before, Jason? Immovable object meets an unstoppable force going head-to-head. Who are you taking in this matchup? Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck, yeah. He's been a monster. He he hasn't scored less than 22 fantasy points since week three. He hasn't been sacked in over 180 straight dropbacks. So their offensive line is clicking. Their offense is clicking. The Colts are an offensive force at the moment. And if you look at who Tennessee's played, uh, once Rivers and Watson all put up QB1 numbers against Tennessee, so they're vulnerable and they're facing good players. So Andrew Luck is is a safe option. Uh, anyone else from this game that you would like to mention? Moali Cox. That's it. Let's move on. You just want to say his name? That's right. All right. I have a feeling that Jason has an Evan Ingram rant coming, so I'm excited to get into this game. Buccaneers at the Giants. Let's start with the Buccaneers, though, because they are the road team. The Buccaneers, ay 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 400 total yards and three points. My God, how is that even possible? But they pulled it off. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 406 yards through the air, but two interceptions. He lost a fumble. Um, is Fitz magic over, or... Are we overreacting to this game? So here's the deal. I don't believe that Fitzmagic is over. Do you believe? But what I do believe... Michael's extra weird today. ...is that it's not happening this week. I just have a gut feeling about this game. Uh, Fitz has been... Fantasy, al- fantasy analysis analysis at its finest, ladies I'm and gentlemen. I'm going to give you some reasons for my gut. <laughs> okay? Listen, uh, you made me lose my train of thought, man. Ryan Fitzpatrick has been best when chasing points. Guess how many touchdowns the Giants have at home this season? Offensive touchdowns. At home? Yeah. How many games? How many, how many games have they played here? Like four or five? Uh, something like that. I don't recall the exact number. So I'm going to say... F- I'll say three. Seven. Five. They have five off. Average. Five. Hey, how about that, that Michael? Fit, That's what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> assuming, Let's assume that it's one touchdown a game offensively, right? And Tampa Bay is turning the ball over on a quarter of their drives. Oh, my God. That's fucking horrendous. So we have a team who can't score. We have a team who's turning the ball over on a quarter of their drives. I feel like this is just going to be an ugly game where one of the teams wins 12-9 to on four field goals. I just don't see uh, Fitzpatrick throwing for 400 yards in this game. You don't see OBJ being or Saquon Barkley being able to break a big run against this atrocious defense? Yeah, OBJ and Barkley are the two exceptions I have in this game. I think they're both going to have good games. Uh, I think they can both have good games without um, even scoring touchdowns. They, they've been doing that. They, they've been like, yeah. consistent wide receiver running back ones every single week, week in and a week out, and the Giants' offense has been absolutely terrible. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just going to get into it because I think if the Giants do score touchdowns, it's going to be OBJ or Barkley because those are the two main guys. And the two assholes who keep getting started, who never deserve to be started, went on the field together, Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram, 
continue to be started, continue to be in the wide receiver three and tight end one conversation. And I'm fed up with it. I am. <laughs> I, if they were like, if I had little bobbleheads of them, I'd rip the head off and throw out the spring. And jeez, <laughs> I, it's just despicable. They've done nothing to prove. I talked about last season. Everything fell into place for them. Sterling Shepard was the wide receiver one on that team. Evan Ingram was the tight end one. They were the only weapons. They didn't have a running back, OBJ. And they were mediocre fantasy options at best. They were decent fantasy options. This week, this year, they have OBJ back, Barkley back. Uh, we've seen that Shepard is only reliable when Ingram isn't on the field. When Ingram's on the field, they both become unreliable. There's nothing to think that this changes. I feel like, and I'm so angry about it this week because I know both of them are going to be started by people. They're going to see the Tampa Bay matchup and say, this is the week. And I'm telling you, it's not. It's never the week. Sterling Shepard saved his week last, yes, uh, a couple nights ago with a touchdown catch. And Evan Ingram did nothing predictably. So, I no, this is not the week. They're both useless bums. Yo, guys, you guys smell that? I smell a bet coming on here. Uh-oh. <laughs> Evan Ingram's going to end as a top 12 tight end this week. Oh, there it is. And Jason, it's not, I know you want that every, every like day. It's really not even going to be very close. <laughs> I mean, he's going up against Tampa, who gives up the second most fancy points at tight end, almost 300 yards passing uh, per game. He has at least four targets in each of his last uh, three games since he got back from injury, including a nine-target game against Washington. So, I mean – Yes, he hasn't been super involved as he was last year. Obviously, OBJ and Barkley are there. But when you get a matchup like Tampa Bay, I'm perfectly fine with putting Ingram in your starting lineup. But that being said, I have him as my eighth tight end, so there's obviously a bunch of tight ends I prefer over him. But he's he's going to end as a tight end one. I feel and like so- Jeff Hewerman is my new CJ Federowitz. I was on him yeah. before people Fido. realized he was good. And now Hewerman, I'll get to Hewerman later in the week, but this guy's a good tight end that people need to start respecting. Dude, um, I so, so guys, can I agree with both of you? I agree with Jason's outlook for the season. I think Evan Ingram is a guy that, but I think that this week you got to be able to play him. You, I think you play every single passing option you can against the Buccaneers, and you I would mean, be if happy. There ever it. was a week to play Shepard and Ingram. It's this week, but that's why I'm going on this rant because I don't want people to fall into the trap. So we said we we're going to talk about the Bucks first, but we didn't. We talked about the Giants first, but at least we got that out the way. Uh, let's talk about the Bucks. Actually, uh, two straight stinkers for Mike Evans. Three uh, receptions for fifty-one yards. Uh, for those people who who are counting on Mike Evans in big spots, um, what do you, how do you feel about him this week against the Giants defense, who's been beatable twenty-fourth in DVOA against the number one wide receiver? So look, Mike Evans, go, Michael. Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for 400 yards last week, and the Bucks scored three. Because Dirk Cutter just randomly decided he was going to take over play-calling duties, despite Monken leading the Tampa Bay offense to an average of t- over 28 points a game this year. They're not losing because of their offense. And their off- they had 400 passing yards last week, and they scored three points. I don't I – don't, I just – every time I think about it, I get more and more mind-boggled. They have three turnovers in the red zone. Yeah. So, I mean – it's not like they stopped passing the ball or they had a bad offensive week. They just didn't score touchdowns. So I'm perfectly – yes, Mike Evans is coming off of two uh, big-time letdown performances, but we've seen – Janoris Jenkins is the best uh, defender on the on the Giants, and we've seen him get burnt this year, maybe landing Collins, but I just – I don't see Mike Evans being stopped by 
anyone on that team this week. Um, yeah, I'm taking the other side. I have Mike Evans ranked as my 19th receiver, uh, closer to the bottom of where I've had him this year. It's not just the last two games. Uh, he scored single-digit points in four of his last six weeks. He just hasn't been very good recently. He's always been a guy who's dependent on volume. He's He drops too many balls. So, And Janoris Jenkins has been better this season, even though he's not a lockdown corner. So, I, And I gave my outlook on the game earlier. I don't think it's going to be a slugfest. And so with that being said, I don't love Evans. Uh, musical receivers for Tampa Bay. It was Chris Godwin in this one, seven receptions for 103 yards. Um, also Deshaun Jackson, five receptions for 67 yards. Adam Humphreys, two receptions for 53 yards. You could have started any Bucks wide receiver last week and been either either happy or like at least they didn't shit the bed and make your team lose for the week, right? So, what receivers are in your starting conversation this week for the Bucks? Yeah, Deshaun Jackson has – if I'm with Deshaun Jackson, uh, if I have him on my team, I'm happy with the way he's produced this season. He's, he's has a up, history of murdering the Giants as well, just really just putting it to them. That too, uh, a different type of revenge game. Yeah. Uh, he's had around 10 half PPR points every week. He's basically a safe wide receiver three with big play upside, and I feel like that's a good wide receiver three to have. So uh, I think he has a safe enough floor to trust him, even though – and then he has a high enough ceiling to put him out there. So you might be disappointed with his eight half PPR points, but it's still not going to kill your week if he does it. So I like D-Jax. And then for Godwin, he still ran the least amount of routes, even though he had the most catches. So I'm still not loving him as more than a deep flex play. And then Humphreys, uh, I'm not trusting either. Michael? Uh, I'm pretty much on uh, agreeing with everything Jason just said. I, I love me some Deshaun Jackson as a low-end wide receiver two, more of a high-end wide receiver three this week against the Giants because you're right. He just absolutely tortures them every time he plays against them, so I don't see that changing. And Chris Godwin, he he's like the Corey Davis light version where mm-hmm. he has like these big games where then he just disappears and everyone knows that he should be more involved, but he just doesn't get more involved. Uh, because of the landscape for wide receivers this week, I do think he's a solid low-end wide receiver three, but I'd perform – as more of a flex play if I had to start him. One pass catcher that didn't uh, produce at the level that he's been producing is OJ Howard. He was in the, he was everyone's new favorite toy tight end one. And everyone seems to be off him now after one bad game is OJ Howard in this game going to be more the OJ Howard we saw, or is he going to get lost in the shuffle of all these pass catchers? The largest of the pass catchers we haven't even talked about yet. Uh, we'll get to him next, but uh, he's one of six players that got, well, O.J. Howard only got one catch, but there are six players who got at least two uh, catches. There was one, two, three, four players that got at least three, uh, three players that got at least five. They were spreading the ball around everywhere, and they were throwing at a ridiculous rate. Ryan Fitzpatrick dropped back 41 times. Uh, Is O.J. Howard lost in the shuffle at this point, or is he someone you can still count on? I love me some O.J. Howard. Uh, I'm not going to let one game deter what he's done the whole season he he could have a bad game it happens especially in the tight with tight end so i think he bounces back i have him as my tight end three this week jason yeah i'm gonna agree uh if you look at the tight end landscape really after Ertz and kelsey with kittle on by there's no one really reliable and oj howard has been pretty much reliable besides last week i mentioned 
last week that he's a red zone target. He's also a big play target. He's what you want from a tight end with limited volume. So you have to take your chances with him. Also, guys, first of all, Jason knows this because I watch TV with him. I, I absolutely, there's nothing I hate more than ESPN FPI projections because they make absolutely no fucking sense and they're just everywhere on ESPN. Dude, the Giants have a 72% chance of beating the Bucks. That shit makes no sense at all. <laughs> like earlier in the year, like week three or four, whenever the Giants play the Eagles, they had the Giants at a 51% chance of winning. I, I wanted to like throw a pillow at the TV. Oh, hold on. I'm trying to break the TV, you know. I want to break the TV. I just want to show some pain um, and anger. Like like they get, these guys mentioned earlier, it, you have to take the the stats with a grain of salt uh, because there are so little tight ends out there. and Some teams just don't use tight ends at all. But for what it's worth, the Giants are giving up an average of nine yards per game against the tight end. And in DVOA, they rank seventh. So in terms of matchups, not the best according to the numbers. But again, that probably has a lot to do with the fact that they don't play many tight ends. Uh, that are going to do something. One person that did do something, and, and the Giants are pretty good against the running back out of the backfield, but this running back out of the backfield came out of nowhere. The Jaquiz Matrix himself, he took the red pill for eight receptions and 102 yards. Uh, also got a carry for zero yards, but we're not going to worry about that. Um, eight catches for 102 yards. Guys, is it time to consider Jaquiz Rogers? No. No. <laughs> I know I it's like exciting, Tim. The Matrix is back. It's exciting. You so won me a championship two years ago. I'm very excited. All this does is make Peyton Barber even more ugly of an option. And that's about it. I, I like Barber as a flex option this week. Yuck. He got 13 rushes last week for 61 yards. Care. He, the he Giants, gets 13 rushes for 26 yards. The Giants have been bad against the run since Snacks left. They just got torched by Matt Breida and Alfred Morris on the ground. Matt Breida tortures people when he's healthy. Dude, yeah, he's been I, very good. Peyton Barber is going to end with at least eight points. I'll, I'll make a bet. There's no way he reaches eight. He's going to end with 3.2. All right. We got another bet, kid. Wait, wait, wait. Lock it up. 3.2, then let's lower it to six points. Oh, fuck out of here. You don't know yeah, yeah, Michael, 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 Michael. You're what not is getting this? this, are you? I'm so confident in my bets that I'm going to try to weasel them down. Dude, I'm going <laughs> to win the bet. Mike, you, want, you want it on the action? No, I'm good. I just I, That was very weasel of you, though. You're not usually a weasley character. That was very weasel of you. Weasel McGee is his name for the rest of the show. All right, you, uh, no. Tim, when you pass it to him, you got Weasel McGee? <laughs> uh, no. Okay, let's go move on to the next game. This one a little bit more interesting in terms of fantasy options. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. There was a time when the Jacksonville Jaguars were so scary that you would even consider benching your Steelers. Uh, this time no longer exists. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, 22 attempts. I mean, 22, 25, aye, 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 22 for 25, 328 yards and five touchdowns. That was a monster game. Um, he's still in the streaming conversation, though. I don't know if anyone who picked him up uh, or anyone who started him last week depends on bets Ben Roethlisberger week in and week out. As we know, road Ben is a different player than home Ben. So tell us which Ben is going to show up in this one. So, Road Ben is a different player. And then we've also mentioned in past shows that early game Road Ben is an even different player. And, and every time we say different, we mean a little worse. So, he's kind of, his entire career, he's been worse in early road games. But then he's 
This season, he's been a little better. So it's kind of hard to know which Ben we're going to get. Uh, I'm siding with the side that we're going to see a Ben that's not going to be a QB1. I have him as a high-end QB2. Uh, Jacksonville is still allowing the least passing yards per game. So he's going to have to live off of the touchdown. And I just don't see it happening on the road in Jacksonville in an early game with so much of his career showing that he can't be trusted in these types of games. Michael? Uh, I agree with Jason here. Uh, I I just have an eerie feeling about this game for the Steelers after coming off a 52-point performance against Carolina. Uh, I just I just feel one of their classic Steeler letdown games coming that just come out of nowhere, but everyone just kind of disregards it because it happens to them once in a while. So I don't I don't really love the, my Steelers this week, but I mean you have to roll them out there because the Jacksonville defense has not been the same, and we've seen them put up big numbers even if they don't have a high point total at the end of the week. All right, so let's go on to the passing options since you're not too high on um, Ben. Then how are you feeling about AB and Juju, his passing options that have been both on absolute tears uh, over the past couple weeks? Um, like you said, still a good defense in Jacksonville, even though their uh, numbers may not be the same, uh, but only 18th in DVOA against the number one wide receiver this year, uh, averaging eight catches to the number one wide receiver. So uh, Jalen Ramsey, what's up? Um, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, uh, me and Weasel McGee both. <laughs> Jason, you're the only one. Just stop stop <laughs> trying to make Weasel McGee a thing. <laughs> oh, it's funny. So we both agree uh, for the most part in our rankings. We have them similar. We have AB. AB is a wide receiver one. Do you, oh, all right. Cool. I have a trivia question for you guys. It's a, it's a not question, so focus here, okay? How many games has Antonio Brown not scored a touchdown this year? Two. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's two. It's one. <sighs> Against Kansas City in week two. That's the only game he hasn't scored a touchdown. That's what me and Timmy oh. went, week two. That's what, yeah, that's what we meant, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, so you always start Antonio Brown. And then Juju, it's, I mean, you can attack Jacksonville out of the slot. Also, he leads the team in red zone targets. So it's hard to shy away from a guy leading the team in red zone targets when it's a good team with a good quarterback. So I also like him as a mid-range to high-end wide receiver too. Michael? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with Jason there. Got to uh, run both those guys out. Yeah. I also like – all right, so let me get a thing real quick. I don't know if I invented this or if I saw it somewhere, but Tim, you're not going to get this joke. You don't watch The Office. But how has the nickname Vance Refrigeration not caught on for Vance McDonald yet? Why? Why? Because he's a big. Because he's a fridge. Freak. He never goes down. He just stiff arms the shit out of people. And his name is Vance. I'm starting this right now. We're we're calling him Vance Refrigeration for now. I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. It's an office reference. Yeah, because you don't watch the best show ever made. So get out of the conversation. You know what's funny? I was talking to a coworker today about that, and he's just like, "You don't watch The Office? What?" I'm like, so no, my brothers, they they'll watch like nine episodes in a row and not even think about it." Yeah. Duh. But on the topic of Vance Refrigeration, uh, in the playoffs last year, he had 10 catches and 112 yards against Jacksonville. Uh, that's obviously in a game that was 45-42. It was a shootout. So you have to take it with a grain of salt. But the Jags just allowed uh, 843 touchdowns to Eric Ebron. So I think that <laughs> uh, 
Vance McDonald's a pretty good play here. Uh, Jacksonville is 31st in DVOA. That is the uh, against the tight end. Excuse me. That's the way to 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 attack them. So let's say you're in a tight end crunch and you're facing a decision like Jack Doyle versus Vance McDonald. Who are you taking this week? Jack Doyle. What about Doyle's an answer, Tim? I know this is for your team. This is for my team. <laughs> I do like McDonald, but I'm trusting Doyle over him. What about Eric Ebron? Doyle. Vance. Oh, oh, wait. You mean Ebron versus Vance or Ebron versus Doyle? Uh, Ebron versus Vance. 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 My order is Doyle, Vance, Ebron. No, no. Last week, you guys told me to start Doyle over McDonald, and it bit me in the ass. All right. One bad call ever. And I don't even, I do it again, even knowing the scores. And Vance, Vance pushed off on his t- uh, touchdown, too. So it, it's, it counted. Michael, he's a fridge. He's allowed. Your nickname is the crafty lefty. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. People pushing off and shit. Like, you don't know what it is to be crafty. Bro, I don't push off. I just, I'm crafty. Psych. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> uh, let's go over to the Jaguar side. Unless there's anyone on the Steelers you'd like to mention besides them. Oh, James Conner. Duh. Oh, duh is right. Love we you have out. <laughs> oh, man. We this have is the main story. You know what it is? I'm so tired of talking about Le'Veon. I feel like my brain just skips it. Uh, yeah. so let's talk about it. Le'Veon Bell has, did not report to the Steelers. And not for nothing, low-key flex. I'm, we're going to flex right now. We told you not to trade James Conner. Uh, the rest of these fantasy shows out here were like, trade James Conner, trade him, trade him to the Le'Veon Bell owner, in fact, and get what you can for him, and blah, 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 and blah, 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 and 7,000 trades for Jordan Howard later. Here we are, and James Conner is a legitimate, Top five running back for the rest of the season, no doubt about it. And Le'Veon Bell is not back, and I, I, I'm kind of mad that he didn't come back because I wanted to prove I was right in the sense of if Le'Veon Bell had come back, he wasn't gonna play anyway. It's not in the Steelers' forte. It's not in their genes to let a guy who's been holding out for ten straight weeks come and play over a guy who's they're gonna start for the next few years, who's been playing well and who's been topping his numbers in so many ways. You're not going to sit that guy for a guy you're only getting for six games. You're not going to do it. And people who were trading James Conner, you might have lost your fantasy season doing that. And uh, this is why you need to listen to us, people, because we you cannot panic. You cannot try to predict the future so much that you forget about the present. Yeah, just think about it. Like, just to put it in an even worse way to make those players who traded James Conner feel even worse because they should feel worse about it, they traded away a late round league winning potential gem for speculation. Like that's it's just such a bad idea. Look, Michael was a little mean there, but we're we're here to help you if you did trade James Conner. Like we're not gonna be mad at you if you didn't listen to us. No, we're, I have right. we we <laughs> we really pushed it. We really pushed don't trade James Conner. We really, really did. Unless and- you were like I saw people getting uh, offers for like David Johnson or something, something like that, where you're getting a running back who has top five potential made sense. But people trading away, like I shit on someone the other day, like a fancy account that I said, trade James Conner for Marlon Mack before week one and reap the benefits. Like, oh yeah, smart move, my man. <laughs> Michael loves, if you guys don't know this, Michael loves shitting on other fancy accounts on Twitter. But I don't. Say their names, all right? I'm nice about it. No, nah, he's nice about it, but he just shits on them on Twitter. That's all. That's all. I mean, um, 
<laughs> it's the truth. Um, let's go over to the uh, Jacksonville side, though, finally. Um, Leonard Fournette. Now, only 53 yards on 24 carries and a touchdown. So he had a pretty good game, but it, he saved himself with a touchdown. I am encouraged by this. I don't think 24 for 53 is in Leonard Fournette's future. If you watch the game, he had absolutely no burst. He looked very timid. He looked like he was trying not to get hurt. I feel like he needed a game to get back in the swing of things. And now he's going to be regular Leonard Fournette that you drafted. And even when he was only averaging 2.2 yards a carry, got the ball 24 times. So that whole Carlos Hyde might eat into his workload and TJ Yeldon might eat into that theory is gone. So Leonard Fournette is a, at least he's going to get the volume Something of else RV, RB1. Sorry, but people were saying that he wasn't going to be the workhorse just because they got Carlos Hyde, and that was obviously not true. They just got Carlos Hyde for insurance. Yeah, you know, I actually had a couple Twitter encounters of people talking about Carlos Hyde who didn't agree with me. And I was like, listen, man, Carlos Hyde is useless now. And look at that. Go ahead and drop Carlos Hyde, folks, if you didn't already, because he's useless. <laughs> Let's keep it going. TJ Yeldon, uh, he didn't lose his value. He kind of went back to his old role. So TJ Yeldon, for those people who picked him up, had been really good for them, but those days seem to be over. But he's still serviceable, especially in PPR leagues. Five catches for 51 yards. Um, how do you feel about TJ Yeldon uh, with the Steelers? Well, I'm going to talk about Fournette because we didn't really talk about him. We just talked about how he's the workhorse. Okay, uh, so let's talk about the backfield in general. Because Pittsburgh is allowing the least scrimmage yards uh, to running backs in the entire league, a little over 100. So it's not a great game for, for Fournette. He's going to have to live off. Off of his volume, we might see a game similar to last week's numbers, but he'll still find the end zone and give you that high end running back to um, numbers. So Fournette is safe. Yeldon is not someone I'm looking at at all, uh, even if he's involved in the passing game of any in any way. Like I just mentioned, Pitt has been great against the running back. It's not a gamble I want to take. Fourth in DVOA against running backs out of the backfield, so they have been fantastic. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm not trusting. Leonard Fournette had five targets last week, which turned into five receptions, 56 yards, and a touchdown. So he's com completely involved in the uh, passing game as well. So TJ Eldon is just a spellback that you can't play. The best touchdown celebration in the game, Dante Moncrief, three receptions for 98 yards and a touchdown. He's a boomer bust kind of guy. He's either going to catch a 70-yard touchdown or he's going to do absolutely nothing. Um, Listen, what do you think it is this week? I'm, uh, I'm getting... On the Moncrief train. Oh, Listen. okay. You, are you getting that? You getting those hips moving? Those bass playing? I love his dance, yo. It's so good. Uh, I just did it. Like people can see me. <laughs> um, Moncrief has actually double digit points in four of his last six games. He's not as boom bust as people think. He's he not as much a boom buster. He just happens to be the big play uh, player for Jacksonville, and with. So my boy Keelan Cole not used enough, not used in the right spots, aka the slot. So he's been phased out of the offense, and that's actually better for fantasy. Now we know there's just two guys that are basically getting the targets. D.D. Westbrook has also been pretty good, double-digit points in three of his last six games. So I like Moncrief as a wide receiver three this week. Uh, it should be a high-scoring game, or even if it's not a high-scoring game, it'll be a, it'll be a. A, a decent game. These are two good. Uh, Pittsburgh's a good offense, and then Jacksonville. Blake Bortles is capable of matching points every once in a while, and I feel like this is a week where he'll be able to. So I'm cool with Moncrief as a wide receiver three. I like Westbrook as well as a possible flex play. 
Hey, Blake Bortles, three, 320 in the air, two touchdowns, no turnovers last week. Last week, so. week I said he's going to be a QB1. I was I was on the Bortles train. For sure. I'm kind of cool with streaming him this week as well. What about James O'Shawn Hennessy? O'Shawn Hennessy. Never oh. there. You guys, you guys watch uh, Keen Peel? If you don't, that's what the reference is. That, his real name is James O'Shaughnessy. Five receptions for 46 yards, but we're not paying him no mind. Shout out to our uh, childhood. Toy Story 4 trailer came out, and there's like a bear and a duck and it was it's a funny skit and it's key and peel playing them oh nice i was gonna say where the hell is this going all right two more games left on the docket uh panthers at the lions is our next one uh the panthers got absolutely manhandled so they're looking for a bounce back game um so let's start with them cam newton 23 for 29 193 yards two touchdowns and one interception uh last week uh so not his best game not his best performance only two for ten on the ground as well uh, So. He's looking for a bounce back. The Lions have been absolutely ridiculously easy to score on. Uh, ever, it seems like ever since they traded Golden Tate, uh, that whole team has kind of got deflated and kind of thought that the organization is giving up on them. So it's shown in their play. Uh, how do you feel about Cam Newton in this one? For me, for me personally, I think he might be QB one. Yeah, uh, I have. Listen, man. No, no, no. You shut your mouth when I'm talking to you. <laughs> I have Cam Newton as my quarterback three this week. Jason has him as his quarterback six, and I'm just pretty mind boggled about it because he's a shoe in. He's a shoe in top in three quarter top three quarterback every week. He just had his worst game of the season, and uh, I think he bounces back right back into his 22 to 28 range of points against Detroit this week. All right, I'll explain right now. First off, when I do this, uh, mind you that I do have Cam Newton ranked sixth. I like him this week. He's thrown two touchdowns in every game since week three. So that's something you love if you have Cam Newton because you, lo- you have him because of his likes. But let's see who I have ahead of him. Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Drew Brees at home against the Eagles. Who just lost their number one corner. Jared Goff at home against the Chiefs in a shootout with the Chiefs. Carson Wentz. At New Orleans in a shootout with Drew Brees. And Matt Ryan at home. Who's been unstoppable at home. So, no, it's not absurd that I have him outside the top five. Those are all five guys that I think will score more points than Cam Newton this week. I like, I like because Newton better the game than script is in their favor. I like, I like Newton better than Winston Ryan. I think I'm going to side with Michael on this one. Michael said top three. You're siding with me. <laughs> I'm right in the middle. I'm, I, gotta I, just, I don't know how you have... Have him at six though, man. Like Matt Ryan, I I love me some Matt Ryan, but against Dallas, over Cam Newton against Detroit. All right, all right, all right, all right. We're we're nitpicking here. The the bottom line is let's start Cam Newton. So let's go to the pass catchers because if we feel like he's going to do well, then the pass catchers are going to do well. But the pass catchers had a pretty rough game last week. Um, Devin Funches didn't do anything. Jarius Wright didn't do anything. DJ Moore didn't do anything. Curtis Samuel didn't do anything. Uh, Greg Olson four for forty, so kind of did something because he's a tight end. That's kind of decent numbers for a tight end. Um. Which one of these guys, if Cam Newton does have this big game, which one or more of these guys is going to be the guy who's the recipient? I think that uh, Devin Funches will finally find the end zone again. He's been touchdown or bust. I have him as a wide receiver three. It's just, I know, I've never been on the Devin Funches bandwagon. People who listen to the show know that. He's too touchdown dependent for me. I keep dropping my phone. He's too touchdown <laughs> dependent for me. Uh, but this week, uh, Dallas has, Dallas doesn't give up a lot of touchdowns, but like efficiency wise, they give up touchdowns to wide receivers. So 
I wouldn't be surprised if Funches found the end zone again. It should be a good matchup for that. Uh, DJ Moore I have outside of the top 36. I have him more as a flex play. Uh, last week, he had a, a rush attempt and five targets. The week before, a rush attempt and three targets. The week before, two rush attempts and six targets. So he's flirting between five and eight uh, opportunities a game. It's not That's not something you want to bank on. That's why I'm as a, as, a, as a flex. Because he is an athletic guy who can make a play and give you a long touchdown. Uh, with his five to eight touches, but he's not someone you want to rely on at this point. Mike? Yeah, uh, I think you said the Cowboys, Jason, but he meant obviously meant the Lions. It's because I said the Cowboys talk oh, about the Lions. Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's why I love Canada's week, even though, the yeah, the Lions run a slow-paced offense, but they've just been absolutely atrocious the last few weeks. So I think the – and the Panthers just got pounded by the Steelers, so I think they have a lot to prove going into the week. So I think Cam and CMC both go off. Also think Funches and his schneid that he's on of to outside of the top like fifty wide receiver performances that he's been producing. So I like Devin Funches this week as a wide receiver three, and uh, DJ Moore is more of a desperation esque flex play just because he has had his opportunity so limited. Uh, love me some Greg Olson. He's my tight end four this week, and uh, yeah, that's about it for the uh, the Panthers guys. Yes. I don't know what to do with myself. Christian McCaffrey scoring touchdowns. He's Jason. Since you said that he doesn't score touchdowns, I mean, I've said it his entire career. But but since you made it clear, like three weeks ago, this man has been doing nothing but scoring touchdowns. Four for seventy-seven on the ground with a touchdown in the air. Five for sixty-one with two touchdowns. Let me say one thing. Defend yourself, young Jason. Because when I when his ADP was climbing to the first round, I was very against it, right? And that was mostly because of his lack of touchdowns in his career. And until a few weeks ago, the same thing happened as last season. He was not scoring touchdowns. And when that was happening, he was more of a RB2 than an RB1. There was a point where people were getting frustrated with McCaffrey. We were talking about how just a few weeks ago, how someone uh, after Mark Ingram's big game, people were saying they'd rather have McCaffrey than Kamara and that they'd feel silly about it now because McCaffrey has been not doing very good. And now he's scoring touchdowns and he's an RB1. And so if he was scoring touchdowns from the beginning, I would have admitted he'd be a RB1 type player. So what I'm trying to say is I was kind of right by saying that he needs to score touchdowns in order to be uh, justifiable in his ADP. But that <laughs> I see Tim shaking his head. <laughs> I'm still not buying him as a touchdown guy. You really uh while Jason, while Jason is over there trying I had to a point in my head and then I lost. He doesn't hate Christian McCaffrey. Let's go to Michael. No, I don't let's like actually, him as a... Let's actually break down Christian McCaffrey in this one. Uh Michael, how do you feel about Christian McCaffrey this week? Uh heads up against the Lions. I mean, he gets the Detroit Lions who have been absolutely atrocious against the run this year. They've been even worse against the run than they have been against the past. So I absolutely love Christian McCaffrey this week. I have him as my running back seven. I wanted to put him higher, but there's so many other great matchups this week as well from the higher end guys. I actually have McCaffrey over as a like James Conner. So like usually that's that's switched. So uh yeah, I mean if you have Christian McCaffrey, you're clearly playing him. And by the way, Jay, you have eight touch he has eight touchdowns on the season. I think we made a bet prior to the season about seven over yeah, under. We did. Yeah, so I, I won that. I won that bet too. Listen, I know. I know. I bet the over. I was on pace to win easily. 
Oh, a couple well, weeks ago. Wow. Things change, buddy. Uh, Greg Olson, also a good play, in my opinion. It, let's let's think about the, the DOA, DVOA for Detroit. They rank 32nd against the number one receiver, 27th against the number two receiver, 32nd against the slot, 30th against the tight end, and 20th against the running back. This is the team you can pass on, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And Greg Olson is, uh, I usually don't like him, but yeah, he's a good player here. Yeah. Uh, his ceiling is always going to be capped. He has one game with more than four catches. But he, he's been uh, catching balls in the intermediate field, like 15 yards down the field. Uh, he can find the end zone as well. Greg Olson's a good play. All right, let's go over to the Lions side, unless there's someone else in the now we talk about everyone on the Panthers. Let's go to the Lions side. Uh, Matthew Stafford, 25 for 42, 274 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions last game. Uh, it's pretty clear that he's missing Golden Tate. Uh, do you think that it's it's going to be all right? I didn't even write notes about Matt Stafford this week. He hasn't been a QB1 since week two. That's the only QB1 performance he's put up this year. He shouldn't be started anymore. He's barely even a like solid. I mean, you're fine. He's a solid QB2 play, I guess. But he's a very unexciting one yeah i agree sadly yeah uh but on the other hand kenny galladay um marvin jones didn't practice today he's not expected to play as of now on wednesday late afternoon so that could change but as of right now man kenny galladay may be slated to get like 18 targets against carolina and yeah james bradbury has played better of late but he's he's not someone you're afraid to go up against neither is a are you sure we're talking about James Bradbury. Here. The James Bradbury. This is the time of the. This is the time where we remind you that ESPN said fade Julio Jones because of his matchup with Brad, James Bradbury in James Bradbury's rookie season. Yeah. Neither is the uh, the the rookie cornerback Dante Jackson. You know, it's pretty funny when I was a. Uh, I look at PFF ratings and such too to look for matchups to that I like and things of that sort. And uh, Bradbury, Dante Jackson, and Captain Munderland, the three starting corners, Munderland's in the slot, all have a rating of 64.9. Which is Every good. Like, that's, that's not like a Madden rating. So it's, it's average. It's like yeah. slightly above average. Slightly right? above average, It's yeah. just pretty hilarious that they all have the exact same rating. They're like pretty the dumb. same exact person <laughs> everywhere. But yeah, with that being said, uh, Kenny Galladay, he finally broke out again last week. It had a lot to do with the Marvin Jones injury. But... Yeah. In the fourth quarter alone, Kenny Galladay had eight targets. Yeah, there you go. That's where he did like 90% of his damage as well. So he's a super solid wide receiver too if Marvin Jones is out. If Marvin Jones is in, he'll probably be more of a wider, high-end-ish wide receiver three. But it doesn't look like that'll be the case. That's how Marvin Jones – I mean, that's how uh, Matt Stafford rolls though. He does nothing for three quarters, and then all of a sudden he pops off in the fourth quarter. Um, True that. My second favorite pass catcher, if Marvin Jones is out here, I think has to be Theo Riddick. Another six uh, targets for 60 yards. Uh, it seems as though Theo Riddick is not only the guy out of the backfield, but the guy taking that role in the slot uh, that, um, what's his name, left behind, Golden okay. Tate. Um, so how are you feeling about Theo Riddick? Not only in PPR leagues, because I think at this point you're starting Theo Riddick in, as a flex uh, in a PPR league, but... How do we feel about him in general? And maybe in half people half point PPR, you're not starting him in standard. But how about like? Yeah, half I'm not point starting PPR. him in standard. Half point PPR, I have him as a mid range flex. Uh, he hasn't found the end zone. It's going to be kind of hard for him to find the end zone. He's never been a touchdown guy. So six catches and fifty yards, he'll get you eight points. Fine, okay. 
Uh, I'd like to rather take my chance on someone else who, like Traquan Smith, even though he has three targets in the last two games, he's at home now. Uh, in the He's in the tight again role. The Saints are at home. I roll with Traquan Smith. So I'd rather take a shot on someone there. But, I mean, if you have bye week blues, theoretic could give you a productive thing out of the week, out of the flex. Michael was was quick to tell us that, hey, even though Theoretic is getting some catches, it doesn't mean Carrion Johnson is not getting going to get catches. Theoretic is kind of taking that slot receiver role, and Carrion Johnson is still catching the ball out of the backfield. The The Lions love to have that West Coast kind of offense where they get the running backs out in space. Carrion Johnson, six receptions for 38 yards and a touchdown. He broke a big screen off that was a really... You saw his burst on that one. And then 14 carries for 51 yards and a touchdown. So although some people were fading carry on Johnson last week, Michael, on the other hand, was telling you how much he liked him. Michael, do you like him again this week? Oh, yeah. Carry on Johnson had a huge day, basically, in a game where no one expected it to happen. Uh, it ha- I did have some to do with uh, the Lions being basically just crushed the whole game. So carry on Johnson had... A lot of passing work. I don't know if he's going to get six targets again this week against Carolina, but Carolina is a decent run defense. Uh, it's they're not they're not scary like to go up against. And he, Carryon Johnson, is now basically a hundred percent in a workhorse type role in the Detroit backfield. Garrett Blunt is sure maybe he'll snipe a touchdown here or there, which sucks. But you clearly want Carryon Johnson on your team. I was my RB14 this week. Uh, he's he's locked in for at least 15 to 20 touches. Let's move on to our next and final game of the docket. Atlanta at the – I'm sorry, the Cowboys at Atlanta. Let's start with the Cowboys, guys. As ugly as it may be, Amari Cooper is probably going to be a top – a wide receiver one this week. Uh, he's getting forced, fed the ball. Uh, you saw it for two straight weeks now. Blasphemy. Uh, six receptions last week for 75 yards. Uh, Atlanta 30th in DVOA against the the pass catcher uh, for I'm sorry the number one wide receiver excuse me um, which is horrible uh, obviously so, uh, they're giving up 33 points to the wide receiver per game fantasy wise um, how are we feeling about Amari Cooper I think that Amari Cooper is a fantastic play this week you know first off I want to say you said he, oh he's definitely going to be a wide receiver one that's that's chill I play. think the the amount of targets he's getting. To say he's plus, definitely going to be a wide receiver one. A top let me, let me explain receiver. myself. The amount of targets that he's getting, plus the Atlanta Falcons' horrible defense. They're, definitely, I, I will bet you right I now that he's a wide receiver argument, one. But it's even hard to say that, like, Robert Woods is definitely going to be a top 12 wide receiver. Like, saying someone's definitely going to be a top 12 wide receiver is like Antonio Brown territory. I, I think that this week he is definitely a top 10 wide, t- 12 wide receiver, and I'm not I'm not going to back off from that. I think that it's right. locking in. Well, all right. I'm clearly taking a bet with you that he's not a top 12 receiver. <laughs> let's, Jay, let's do Jason, it. Jason, you want in? Sure. Yeah, obviously. You, you guys in. are crazy. But I also, I'm going to hop crazy because he's not going to be. This week. I do. I have him ranked at 20th. He's seeing nine targets per game in Dallas. He's basically being force fed the ball. So he's going to continue to be force fed the ball as they try to justify trading a first-round pick for a wide receiver on a pretty expensive contract. But what I'm going to get to here now is the fact that I love Dak Prescott this week. I have him as my seventh quarterback. And with Dak Prescott's 
riches come Amari Cooper spoils. So I do like Amari Cooper as running back to a wide receiver two this week. Uh, Dak Prescott. The Falcons are basically bottom five in every passing category. They're bottom five in quarterback rushing fantasy points. Uh, they basically allow QB1 every week. Dak has been a QB1 in three of his last four games. He's using his legs more. He's been better since Amari Cooper was acquired. I love Dak Prescott this week, and I'm, I like Amari Cooper as well. So you just took a bet with me that Amari Cooper is not going to be definitely number one wide receiver. Let's 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 put that out there, right? So if that's the case, Alan Hearns, Cole Beasley, Michael Gallup, Jeff Swaim, these guys are the other guys that Dak Prescott's going to have the opportunity to throw to. Which one of them breaks out? Which one of them is fantasy viable to make Dak Prescott where you believe he think he's going to be? The answer to that question is no. Yeah, you don't need those guys for Dak Prescott. He could use his legs. He could spread it out across all of them. Deontay Thompson, to Alan Hearns. Yeah, he could throw to Zeke. No, we're going to get to Zeke in a second. Yeah, that's what we're saying. He could just throw a screen to Zeke. He could throw to four catches to Beasley, four to Hearns, four to Gallup, four to Deontay Thompson. It doesn't matter. Four to Jeff Swain. So if you had to throw a dart, which which guy are you throwing a dart at? Gallup. Be- Beasley for me. I think Beasley's the guy I'm throwing a dart at as well. I'm, I'm considering starting Beasley in one of my leagues that I'm just completely suffering. I got so many buys, and then I got just got Cooper Cup going down, killed me in three out of four of my leagues that I really care about. Oh, it's, it was such a sad day. Um, but let's go over to the good news. Ezekiel Elliott finally had a like Zeke Zeke game over 30 fantasy points in half point PPR, uh, 151 and a touchdown on the ground, uh, six for 36 and a touchdown through the air. Uh, like we mentioned every week, the Atlanta Falcons are historically bad within the in the last three years against the running back out of the backfield, and you got the best in the business. Uh, he already has his career high in receptions out of the backfield this season, and that should continue in this one. Love Zeke. Not much to not love here. Yeah, it's a great matchup. Uh, one hindrance is that Deion Jones comes back, which is a big boost for Atlanta, and he. Guards, he's a lot better at guarding the running back out of the backfield than any other linebacker on that team. So, all right, but do you want to know what I say to that hindrance? No, yeah, I don't care. I'm starting Zeke too. I have him as a top. I think I have him as my second or third running back. In PPR Atlanta's allowed at least twenty points to opposing running backs in eight of nine games. Yuck. Um, <laughs> let's move over to the Falcon side uh, of the ball. Uh, the Falcons. Laid an egg against the Browns. There's not really much else to say. Matt Ryan um, still had a pretty good fantasy game, 330 for two touchdowns. Uh, Look, I'm going to say this again. Matt Ryan's last six touchdowns were created by wide receivers, not created by Matt Ryan. So take what you will with a grain of salt. Uh, But he is at home. Matt Ryan Ryan at home is a different caliber of player and uh, definitely a top-five quarterback in this one. Well... The top five is, eh. I mean, I could see it, but he gets Dallas, who has been a lot better defensively than years past. I was my eighth quarterback. There are a lot of very good quarterback matchups this week, which is why I don't love Matt Ryan, but he has 330 passing yards or more in six of his last seven games, and he's basically become a set-it-and-forget-it option. He's the number two quarterback on the year, I believe. So, yeah, if you have Matt Ryan, you're starting him. But you just you pissed me off saying that he doesn't have anything to do with his success in quarterbacks. You're, you're the worst. I didn't, I didn't say that. He has 21 oh. touchdowns and three. His last six touchdowns are all his receivers. I mean, am I speaking lies? 
You're yeah. the one that's bringing it farther than it is. I'm not speaking lies. No, every every Sunday he has not with you, he has he has not thrown a ball into the end zone in two weeks. That's a fact. That's a straight stone cold fact. So like you can you can come up with the conclusions you want from my sentence. I'm just telling you facts, Jason. Uh, Matt Ryan. So we like Matt Ryan this week, but like Michael said, the Cowboys have been um really good uh against the fantasy wide receiver and the fantasy quarterback. Uh, they are four. They've given up the fourth. They've been very good. They've been giving up the fourth least amount of points to fantasy wide receivers this year. But Julio Jones is Julio Jones. Um, who in this receiving core do you like this week? If you look at recently, by the way, the Cowboys defense has been leaking some quarterback one performances. Carson Wentz just put up 20 points against them. So, but, uh, so that means I, I mean, like Julio Jones. Let me, let me cut you off there for a second because Carson Wentz did do that, but he did almost all of his damage in the fourth quarter. So he was being held to a to a, like six points going into that fourth quarter. And Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz. So, you know, you have to consider both sides to that one. It still counts. No, I mean, it counts, yes. But Carson Wentz is like a different caliber. You know what I'm saying? All right. But no, so Julio Jones, obviously, he's basically guaranteed to be a top 12 wide receiver. Unlike Amari Cooper, Julio Jones is. Um, Calvin Ridley's basically a touchdown dependent wide receiver three at this point, but I'm cool with firing him up because the Falcons are at home. And then uh, Austin Hooper is facing a Sean Lee list Cowboys. Although Kyle Vander Esch has been very good. Leighton Vander Esch. I don't know where you got Kyle from. <laughs> Sorry, Leighton. He looks like a Leighton. I'm cool with Austin Hooper as well, though. He's been, if you look at his numbers, he's been pretty solid. He's been a one of the most consistent tight ends this season. Every time Atlanta's at home, I'm cool with using the secondary options be- behind Julio. 10 for 56 in so, a touchdown last week for Hooper. So um, the receivers, I actually have Julio Jones as my 10th receiver this week. He's going to be lined up with Byron Jones the whole game, who has been a top five cornerback in the league this year, which I think is going to hold him down a little bit, not too much, because it's still Julio Jones. I actually love Calvin Ridley this week. I think it's a maybe it's a little biased because I'm just a Calvin Ridley fan, but I think he is going to have a huge game this week against Chidobe Awuzie, and uh, because he just he he has not performed at the level that he did last year when he was like this budding star, and uh, Calvin Ridley, although he hasn't been obviously the same level of production as he was in the beginning of the year when he was scoring all those touchdowns, he's still been okay. And uh, Austin Hooper actually performs well against the bottom of the dump teams against tight ends, and he hasn't performed well against teams above that tier. So I don't really like Austin Hooper this week in this matchup. I think it's a lot of Calvin Ridley, and I'm I'm firing up Calvin Ridley this week. All right. uh, So finally, let's end this off on the running game for the Falcons. Tevin Coleman. A lot of people liked him last week, and he shit the bed. 11 carries for 44 yards. Edo Smith continues to be a touchdown or bust option. Uh, how is your outlook for Tevin Coleman this week? I think that we – I mean, we basically have to come to expect Tevin Coleman to continue to shit the bed in good opportunities. That's the player he is. He's a bed shitter. He's not very good. He's going to show that this year. So he's going to overpay him in free agency. Yeah, he, but he's still seeing – uh, a good amount of volume. Edo Smith has clearly taken a backseat. He can't be trusted. He's, he just needs a touchdown. So because of his 
Um, well, the word I'm looking for is volume. Tevin Coleman continues to be a high to mid end range running back too. Uh, Dallas is top ten in fantasy points allowed, but two weeks ago Tevin Coleman performed well, and then last week when he had a good matchup, he didn't perform well. So I think that at home it helps him with Matt Ryan playing better. Yeah, I agree about Tevin Coleman. He just he he needs to find the end zone to have a big game. Not certain that's going to happen, but I think he's a solid mid range running back too this week. Just because of volume. All right. So that is it for our first half of games. Tune in for our second half of games that will be right behind this one. So both uploaded at the same time. So you guys can access that whenever you want. Michael, where can they find you? Mike underscore Patrop. Uh, Jason. Uh, Jason Patrop. And you can find all of us at Brodo Fantasy on Twitter. Also, you can find me at Tim Patrop on all social media outlets, but only if you're feeling real, real frisky. Uh, check out that at veterans underscore minimum Instagram to see your boy drop some bars. Um, go check that out. Uh, I'm really happy with the how it's been received. So it's always it's always scary to put yourself out there, but people have been liking it, so I fuck with that. Uh, and until next time, we'll see you soon. Peace.